Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast back for another season. Got a new intro, bit of a new feel, but the most important thing is we have the same recurring co-host. I am Justin Cuthbert, and I am pleased to be joined by Julian McKenzie of The Athletic once a week, all season long, just as it was last year, as we reboot for season two on the YSHB. Julian, what is up, my friend? My friend. Always great to see you, buddy. Always good to see your face. Very happy, very excited be back for another season of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Really excited to do all this cool stuff with you guys, man. I'm just I'm just super amped and blessed to be here, man, and amped for an 82-game NHL season, which I hope, I hope by game like 41 or 42, I'm not going to be like, this season's too long or, oh my God, there's so many games. Like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that action. I'm here to see teams like the Canadians and the Leafs actually play against American teams for the yes. first time since like pre-pandemic. I mean, technically, we were cheated last year. I wasn't going to go into technicalities, but this is the first real season of yeah. us covering hockey together on a weekly basis. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I know, despite how busy you are, the audio audio is just in your blood. Like it is, I see the, the awards behind you. I am assuming they're for radio or podcasting or something like that because they're little discs. I don't think anyone uses discs anymore. So they could have been a couple of no. years back. But I know that you love talking hockey, and that's why you were coming back to join me because uh, this is we we you know how can you how can you spend a Sunday better than talking to me about hockey? I guess do you, you not have do you not have one yourself? I figured someone as esteemed as yourself would have some kind of like plaque or, or something like I, like these are from like from like student radio days, and and I have. This is not necessarily in view here, but I will always uh, treasure the Gala DNST Award for uh, the Scrum Podcast uh, with uh, my uh, my good buddy Tristan Damul. But yeah, I figured you'd have some. Well, I mean, part of the reason I wanted you back is because I want to be award eligible this year. I mean, if you look behind me, the walls completely <laughs> blank. I might have to buy a mantle if we can actually, you know, yes. do something that could be recognized. But, you know, maybe that's a couple years down the line. Maybe I'm going to have to no, bother man. you. Canadian Podcast Awards. Get yourself. Yo, we should put ourselves in for the Canadian Podcasting Awards next year. Hey, I've been nominated for that, too. I, I forget who we lost to. Some soccer podcast. But, like, hey, let, let's let's go for that. Let, let's just get through episode one. How about that? Let's put on a good that's, first show. That's fair. That's on season fair. two of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. This is going to be a soft launch this season. We're just going to kick off some rust. But I do want to mention that there are going to be, you know, changes inevitably to what we're doing at Yahoo Sports. I mean, this is the content game these days, but they're exciting changes. You know, this year, obviously, going to have you on every week, which we had last year. And I'm going to be doing some solo stuff. But in addition to the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, we're going to be adding your show, Zone Time, which is was a YouTube only thing before this, before this year, it's going to be running on the podcast stream and everywhere you find podcasts, you'll be able to find zone time with you and the wonderful crew that sometimes includes me, but doesn't have to include me because it's wonderful <laughs> all the time. So I'm happy that I'll be sharing my sh or my, I guess, stream or whatever it's called with zone time, because it's the entire Yahoo sports hockey coverage now in one place. And I'm looking forward to having that uh, on the on the stream, is it called a stream? I'm I'm messing that up. Well, I mean, I guess if it's live, I guess maybe it could be a stream. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the times you're going to be on Zone Time, man. It's nice to have some diversity on the show. No, I can't say that joke <laughs> with a straight face. I can't say that joke with a straight face. Oh, oh I tried. Boy. I thought about it. I'm like, no, I can't do it with a straight face. I mean, face. you said the joke. You said the joke. I, I, mean, I tried. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm really excited about Zone Time uh, being on the podcast feed. Uh, I know, like, a few people, like, online have been like, hey, can we listen to the podcast, like, you know, somewhere? Like, and, hey, we'll be able to satisfy those needs, man. But I'm really excited to to keep what I think is a really cool show 
uh, going and also looking to make it even better than it already was uh, through our first go around. So between that and, and being on the YSHP, like I'm pretty excited and I'm pretty excited for you. I'm pretty excited for, for everyone on, on zone time to get their shot. And the best news is because it's going to be in podcast form, it's going to be extended. So there's going to be more, more, more Omar. If I can say that. Yes. More Sam, oh more Julian, more Rahef, a little bit more of me, more of everyone because zone more time Avery. is going to be, and more Avery. It's going to be even longer this year. Uh, and we're going to get all the good stuff that doesn't make it to air because we start talking all this smack after we finish recording our producer shuts it off. You just let it run. We'll have yeah. all the best stuff come out then. So exciting stuff ahead at Yahoo sports and the 2021, 22 NHL season. We're going to be seeing a lot of each other uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and after a long summer, honestly, it feels about right. I feel like we got to get right back into it. Uh, and it's a good place to start right here and right now. So usually this time of year, you know, the hockey calendar provides us with like juicy headlines. We have maybe guys over in Europe talking in their native tongue and maybe talking a little bit too much, or we have these contentious contract negotiations, or we have, you know, players who've been stewing all summer coming back with new and interesting perspectives. And I guess we have some of that, but we don't have like that one thing that we should really hook this show around. So it's going to be a grab bag of sorts. We'll talk about some outstanding items and, and notable headlines we missed and a couple new things from this week. But first we've got to start with the group of, RFAs that are still waiting for a contract. And I, I want to go about it this way. We've got okay. Kirill Kaprizov, Brady Kachuk, Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, Ross Mistelli. And I guess those are the five major guys that still needs contract, still need a contract. And I, as a, you know, a Toronto guy, I got to go back to the Leafs every time. So I want to know out of those five players, where they rank on the Mitch Marner summer squeeze scale, or in other words, which of these contracts is going to be like the hardest to complete, which player is going to be you know hardest to satisfy because of either what they want or what position the team in is in so again which player Kaprizov, Hughes, Darlene, Pedersen and Kachuk rates highest for you on the Mitch Marner summer squeeze scale that's a really interesting question I would imagine a big reason why the situations would be difficult has to do a lot with their the team's own salary cap structures we know what vancouver's deal is with some of the contracts that they have we know they offloaded some expiring ones that were on the books and they end up getting oel's contract for the next how many years how's that going to affect the fact they have two they have two rfas who are supposed to be part of their core going forward that they have to deal with but i don't know if it's because of the fact that because I'm at the, at the athletic and I edit a lot of Michael Russo's articles, mm -hmm. but I'm really in tune with the Kapril Kaprizov story. Like this is a guy who called a trophy winner, a guy who should be a part of that Minnesota wild team for a very long time. And just for whatever reason, both sides have yet to come together on a deal. And Bill Guerin has gone on radio in Minnesota being like, Oh, well, you know, it's a big deal. These things take time. I don't know if that's necessarily assuaging worries from wild fans just as yet. And this is a team with the fact that they bought out two marquee free agents from yesteryears past. Uh, and they're going to have to pay for those well into the next couple of years. How's that going to affect if they affect a Cupro Caprizov deal, if they give him $9 million, which I think is a number that's been thrown out there for him. I would imagine because of the difficulties because of the profile of the player that Kapil Kaprizov is, and maybe some slight bias, he's number one. And I guess Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are like tied for second. Because I think Elias Pedersen, at the, at, the, at the player that he is, one of the best young players in the National Hockey League today, he has to get paid. Quinn Hughes, you're looking at some of the defensemen who are making $9 million. A guy like a, like a Ducky Hamilton or at least coming close at least, or, or Seth Jones at least getting that rate as well. Like, where does Quinn Hughes fit? This is a guy who is part of that newer generation of mobile, dynamic, exciting young defenseman like a Kale McCarr, who also got paid through an extension earlier this summer. So Quinn Hughes has to be making north of 8.75, right? I do not envy Jim Benning. So I, I imagine those two... I'm going to put them tied because Jim Benning has it's what it's, it's already a big deal to have one notable RFA on your plate to right. have two high profile RFAs. 
they, they get to tied for a second. And then I guess uh, Kachuk and then Darlene after that. Okay, I'm going to agree with you that Hughes and Pedersen are tied for second. I think you can kind of package them together, and I think that will help Jim Benning. I mean, those two players have d- decided to be represented by the same group. I believe it's J.P. Barry. Um, and I think there's going to be some sort of package where those guys come together. I don't know if that helps those two or hurts those two, but I think it sort of helps Vancouver navigate these waters. Not to say it's going to be easy. This is a team that pushed itself back up against the cap, with their offseason moves, obviously they got rid of some bad money, but they took on some potential mediocre money uh, and they've really pushed themselves by, you know, at least taking on the contracts that they did with OEL and then signing Connor Garland, Jason Dickinson. I mean, it was not a cheap offseason. They have obviously had some ambition and they went out and they spent and that means, means it's going to be difficult to get Hughes and Pedersen as much money as they possibly can. But my number one is going to be Brady Kachuk. Uh, mm. I feel like it's, I may be speculating a little bit, but I feel like it has all the makings of sort of a issue between potential future captain and organization. And I think one of the big reasons is I don't think we really know how much Brady Kachuk is worth. As I mentioned, probably the future captain, the most important player in the organization right now, maybe second behind Thomas Shabbat, but probably still Brady Kachuk. But this is a player that's no lock to reach 50 points. Hasn't done so in his career just yet. Obviously, there was two shortened seasons, but he's floating around like the 40 to 50 point range historically and based on projections. And that's not really the type of points or production that you give out eight, nine million dollars to. So I find that interesting. And obviously, this is historically a cost conscious team. They've got mm. Thomas Shabbat in, I believe, at eight million dollars. So can he negotiate for more than that? And then I also think it's a family, the Kachucks, that understand their worth, right? I think yeah. Matthew Kachuk signed a bridge deal, made a decent amount of money on that bridge deal. It didn't really take many concessions on that bridge deal, but set himself up for a future payday trying to maximize his earnings. And I feel like that's going to be the Kachuk way just because they've been through this several times before. So it's a player that maybe can't, you know, stand out and obviously show and demonstrate just by numbers that he's worth a certain amount. And you've got a team that, yeah, they don't pay many players uh, a lot of money, but they don't really want to pay players until they're really competing and they've got fans in the seats and they're selling playoff tickets. So I feel like the Kachuk thing could get messy. And that's why I've got it. Number one over Kaprizov who, yeah, he wants the most, he has the most leverage. He's got Russia who he can, basically just return to and make more money than maybe even Connor McDavid based on uh, you know, how much he's coveted over there and how much they're willing to spend on a player like that. But Minnesota also cleared so much cap space. They know they need this guy under contract. So they're probably just going to, you know, come in or, or, or meet his demands, I guess, uh, as long as this plays out, because I just feel like they have to get Kaprizov back in a green sweater or it's going to be a complete disaster over there. So that's why I've got Kachuk over Kaprizov in this case. I have a question about the uh, the Brady Kachuk file. Do you think there's going to be a situation, or do you think one of the reasons why it's drawn out as long as it is, you know, maybe the second. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fans want to throw out like a long deal. 
And I think that's what's been, someone has been reporting that out there. I think Bruce Gary said like at least like eight years, like that term has been thrown out there. Don't you think Brady might want to play with Matthew? Maybe somewhere in the States and having him commit for how many years in Ottawa while there is a really good core in place, maybe that's not the best thing you want to do. Maybe you're thinking, okay, just get a shorter deal in, see what my brother wants to do. And then we team up and we go somewhere else together. Do, do you think that's a possibility at all? Or I kind of find it hard to believe that could, Brady Kachuk wants to be somewhere else. Uh, at least not to the desire that I think maybe Matthew might. Uh, obviously there's some issues there with uh, Matthew, his teammates. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to play for a guy like Daryl Sutter, who's not going to be exactly oozing creativity or, or encouraging creativity the way, not to say that Matthews is over Matthew Kachuk is probably perfect for the Daryl Sutter mold, but perhaps he wants to be in a system where there are 80 to 90 point seasons. And that might just not be possible in a Daryl Sutter regime. So that's something to watch moving forward, obviously, but I do get the feeling that Brady Kachuk wants to be a Senator wants to be the lead guy. I think if you watch him, there's no player having more fun on the ice and with his teammates than Brady Kachuk but I just don't think he's going to do that at a discount. I think he's going to demand as much as possible. I think he knows his worth. I think he knows that he's supposed to be the future captain of the team. I think he knows he's the face of the franchise as is right now. And I think Keith and from what Matthew's been through and what the agencies have been through and what Brady thinks about himself, I I just don't think he's going to settle for something. So yeah, I could see a bridge deal. I can't see him signing for Shabbat money long-term. I could see a three-year deal at the same as what Matthew earned. And then we're talking about $10 million or something like that in a couple of years time when the salary cap does finally go up. I feel like Brady's got that sort of demand or bargaining power or just, they just know their worth. And I think that's a key part of this. I, I'm still kind of holding out hope, I guess, for the drama's sake that like at least Brady like thinks about it, but there is the possibility that like, you know, Brady negotiates some kind of deal. And if Ottawa has enough money on the books, maybe they make a move here or there. Brady Kachuk talks to Pierre Dorian is like, Hey, make a trade with Calgary and bring Matthew here or get Matthew to come here as a free agent. That's a possibility too. It doesn't mean they both have to go to like St. Louis or something, or they have to go to some other market together. It could be a situation where Ottawa is a much better place for, to fit both players. And if you have both Kachuks in the same organization watch out for the rest of the Atlantic division especially if all those players and prospects come up nicely in Ottawa because there there's I mean I know the way that they're kind of building now it seems as if they want to be a bit more competitive for this coming season but they have a lot of potential with some of those young players there and, if, and a guy like Matthew Kachuk it, not saying that's going to happen now not saying that might happen ever but could you imagine if you know Brady Kachuk tried to convince his brother to come to Ottawa down the, again, I'm, I'm kind of jumping the jumping the gun a little bit here, but like that would be fun. Mm-hmm. I, I Loki, I just I just want that out there as a thought. No, that'd be seriously cool and a seriously huge win for a team like the Ottawa Senators. Man. And I feel like if one brother was going to follow the other, it would be Matthew following Brady. I'm not really sure why I feel that way. It's usually the younger following the older, but I feel like Brady's like establishing something a little bit more meaningful where he is as opposed to Matthew Kachuk, which is interesting, uh, an interesting juxtaposition or at least a comparison at this point in both of their careers. Um, I did not mention Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, Let's just be honest. There shouldn't be a problem here. It's not a player who's met his potential potential, and it's not a team that has any worry about what they should be paying a guy like Rasmus Dahlin because you just better hope you can keep him around when you're actually on the upswing or if you ever reach the upswing, whatever he wants, he should get, and it'll be more than he deserves. Cause at this point, I don't think he's earned that quite yet. Nope. Uh, shoot. I mean, maybe this is a bit excessive to say if I'm Rasmus Dali, like I'm just chilling, just get whatever money I can get. And if there's a way out, get out of Buffalo maybe, but you know what? Maybe I shouldn't, we shouldn't throw stones at the Sabres. Kevin Adams is there. But I don't know, just the way they've handled this whole Jack Eichel thing. Maybe that's why Rasmus Dalin, that file hasn't been dealt with yet. Because Kevin Adams is still just trying to figure out what the hell to do with Jack Eichel. And that's yeah. a whole other topic for a whole other day. Despite Eichel and all the other problems and the fact that it's going to be probably the worst team in the NHL, at least in the Eastern Conference, 
they still got an outdoor game. They're going to be at Tim Hortons Field, uh, I believe, in March to play the Toronto Maple Leafs in what should be, you know, it'll be fun. Are you going? Leaf, but be a lot of Leaf fans there. I could probably find a way to get there. I've been there before for a Johnny Manziel game, and I tell you, the parking was not easy. So I'll have to figure <laughs> that out if I'm going to be at the Leaf game, which will be a lot more busy than that Johnny Manziel game a couple years back. Okay, let's move on to what we've been talking about for two years, which is COVID-19 and how that is affecting the sporting world. I mean, it is pretty encouraging that we're getting outdoor game announcements and media day and all these other great things that are happening and what should be a relatively normal NHL season that, oh yeah, now has a 32nd team that's just going to be playing. So everything's got to be pretty good. I mean, we've got TNT announcing what their broadcast team is going to be like. We got ESPN and they're having dinners and having tons of fun. It's going to be pretty cool. We're going to get a regular season for the most part, but not just because of, you know, we've defeated this virus. It's because that NHL players have come to their senses and agreed to be pretty much unanimously vaccinated. 98% apparently, according to Bill Daly, he got to boast about the vaccination rates among the player population at media day earlier this week. Uh, Very, very exciting stuff. Uh, It's very encouraging that NHL players have decided to make themselves 98% vaccinated. And you have to give credit to the NHL for helping influence this sort of number, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Look, we've, we've spoken about COVID a lot of times on this show. We've spoken about getting vaccinated. I'm just relieved that the players seemingly got their act together uh there i'm sure the next step is is to figure out who among the two percent is not vaccinated and it's i'm I'm ashamed to say like i'm just like thinking of every team and i'm just okay like who would be that person to say that they're not vaccinated and and we the biggest clues that some people might get is just like going on a media day and which player is going to say oh my vaccination status is a personal decision because that's what it's turned into now basically now if you say that you're it's a personal decision whether or not you got vaccinated that seems to be like a dead rigger uh for whether or not you did or did well for dead rigger for you that you didn't get vaccinated and that i mean i don't want it to turn into that but i don't know if you're those 15 players i think it's around that number who haven't been vaccinated or whatever the number it is mm-hmm. like i'm very curious as to why i'm very curious as to what's holding you back is it a health condition is it uh, something else that's holding you back? And like, how is it going to affect uh, when it comes time for you to play games? Because we've already seen it with at least two coaches uh, in the National Hockey League. Rocky Thompson out in San Jose and Sylvain Lefebvre, Sylvain Lefebvre earlier this week from the Columbus Blue Jackets coaching staff who was fired for not complying with the COVID mandate. Like mm-hmm. at this point, like if you're a player, like I'm very curious as to why you wouldn't comply, especially with 98% of of the other team of, of other players doing this also for people wondering like Carolina hurricanes are among the teams who say they're hundred percent vaccinated. So it seems as if Tony D'Angelo of all people is vaccinated. Yeah, I know. Really weird. Really weird. Really against the grain uh, there for Tony uh, D'Angelo. Uh, you'd mentioned like why they're not doing it. Well, we certainly know it's not because they love team dinners because unvaccinated players are basically going to be able to do nothing on the road even in their own city, it seems like. I mean, that is probably the biggest reason why we've reached 98% is because basically your freedoms have been taken away as an NHL player if you're unvaccinated. You cannot do anything, and that's why credit goes to the NHL um, for getting to this number. I wonder if they floated out this figure today to sort of influence the final 10 to 15. Like, you really want to be embarrassed like this? Because it's going to become a witch hunt. We both know. It's going to become a witch hunt. You're going to be able to figure it out because they're not going to be available to the media or available for media day. Like no one at media day, clearly they were all vaccinated because they were coming into contact with people. If you're going to be doing mm-hmm. anything in the public sphere, anything, you you are vaccinated. So uh, we're going to figure out who these players are just because that's the world we live in. You can't really have privacy nowadays. We are going to figure it out and there's going to be shame from all corners, from maybe not team, probably teammates, from team, probably, from media members. It's just going to be rampant. And I wonder if it's like, oh, are we 98%? Are we? Am I going to be that guy? Am I going to be that guy that's exposed with no one 
you know, to link arms with, I just can't see it happening. So I wouldn't be surprised if that number drops below 10, maybe well below 10. And we get to the point where pretty much everyone, if it's safe to do so, considering they're, I mean, it's safe to get vaccinated. Don't want to put that out there. Safe to get vaccinated if you are healthy enough to get vaccinated. But if there is something where, you know, there's a medical condition with Rocky Thompson, I get it. But I feel like that number is going to drop because who wants to be embarrassed like that? I mean, you're showing your ass if you don't get vaccinated, in my opinion, but you're really showing your ass if you don't do it, if everybody else is. Yeah. And you especially showing your ass if the reason why you're not getting vaccinated is because you believe Nikki Minaj, when she said her cousin's friend, <laughs> her <laughs> testicles got affected by this. See how dangerous misinformation could be for like really influential people. That's like the strangest thing I've heard. Like, I mean, nobody wants much, that outcome, but no, you don't have to listen to Nikki Minaj or you her cousin. Have, not or her cousin's friend, like just whatever. Just, just go get vaccinated, man. And you're right. Like, I, I definitely think we're going to figure it out with with uh, with players who is and who isn't and all that. The one other thing I want to mention on this topic, too, is because of what's been going on with the players and what's been going on with with the rest of society as a vaccine. I'm really intrigued at what it means for like media people like ourselves mm-hmm. and what it means for for access, because, uh, again, to quote Michael Russo, my colleague at The Athletic. He's the one who tweeted out who went through the COVID protocol and saw that there was that provision that says that NHL media will be allowed to go into locker rooms. And people have been wondering for the last like year and a bit, like how much is COVID going to affect that locker room access, the ability to have one-on-one conversations with players or anything beyond a zoom call. And while it is out there that, you know, people like you and I can go into a locker room I still have this weird feeling that like, there's still going to be some measure of restrictions, right? Like even today, like I'm thinking of, well, at least, well, yesterday, I guess at the time, whenever you guys get this, the time might be a little skewed. I know the Canadians are going through their rookie camp and like, they still have some of their players doing media availabilities over zoom, but some of the media members that are covering the rookie camp are able to go into the press box at the practice facility. What does it mean when the regular season starts when that whole horde? I don't know how it is in Toronto at the Scotia Bank Arena. Oh, it's a horde. It's definitely a horde at it's a the throng. Belson. It's a throng. It's like, you know, like the running of the bulls when like mm. they have the bulls like in like the little like stable, they open it up and then the bulls kind of go out. That's kind of what it's like when oh, yeah. the doors open to the Canadians locker room at the Bell Center and it's a horde of journalists, French and English, going in trying to find a bunch of players to get interviews from. You see the big scrum for a carry price and a smaller one for a lesser known player. What's, what's that going to be like in, in COVID? Is it, is it going to be a thing where the Canadians are going to be like, okay, we're going to make three or four players available. Are the Leafs going to do something different? Are, are the senators, are the Oilers? Like I know I'm mentioning Canadian franchises here, but I just have this weird feeling that like, you know, yes, there's a win for journalists to be in the locker rooms to get that access, but I'm still on pins and needles trying to think like, okay, like what does it mean? Like in terms of that access, what does that look like? And and I'm not going to be completely assuaged of any worry that I might have until I see it for myself. Yeah. I mean, I think this is actually an opportunity for public relations departments to refine this because you're right. It's kind of, it's kind of like the running of the bulls sometimes, especially after a game, it's a bit of a, nightmare it can get a little messy sometimes and it's a bit of a competition right like there's elbows being thrown there are shoulders hitting jaws um but there shouldn't it shouldn't ever be like that should it so i feel like this is the perfect opportunity for okay we all want to talk to carrie price because he gave up five at a loss we'll put him in front of the podium and everyone get their chance and we can do this in orderly fashion but you know this is a september 28th afternoon training camp is in full swing and people are trying to get their more human interest stories, open the room, have some one-on-one conversations. That's where the good stories are anyway. So I think journalists can have both the best of both worlds, where they can have those one-on-one conversations when they can write their stories and they can get their good, good nuggets. But we can also have those moments that are big and everyone should be involved. And therefore like a player coming off a bad outing and having to meet the media and that should be done maybe a little in a little bit more of an orderly fashion. And instead of people literally throwing elbows in a scrum just to get their mic in front of Carey Price's face, that's 
which is probably how it should be. You ever throw an elbow in a scrum? Uh, I'm usually, you know, I'm, I try to be the nice guy when I'm over there. I'm trying not to get too involved. I, you know, it's normally the cameramen and women that get really uh, feisty because, you know, they have one job and that's to get a clean shot. And if people are you know, coming in and out of that, uh, it's, it gets a little bit uh, dramatic. It's that, the, dra- the drama that's not really for me. You, yeah, you throw in some bows uh, in your day. Uh- <laughs> Did you say throw some bows? What is throw my some de- bows. Am I dealing with ludicrous here? <laughs> I was the only other man. Is it, is it ludicrous who said throw them bows? Yeah, it's ludicrous. I believe ludicrous. it was. I believe it was. It's ludicrous. Yeah. Um, I've never thrown any, I've never thrown any bows in a scrum. Def- nice. I'm the dude who like in the scrum, I guess uh before the pandemic, when I was a couple pounds lighter, I was able to kind of like finagle my way into like a small space. And I'm and at first you're like, Oh, okay. I was able to get my mic in there and get the, uh, the get some quotes in. But then after like eight minutes, you're like, what am I going to do? I have to stay in the spot for like too long. So it's not that comfortable. So I think this year I'm going to try to just take that step back and, you know, just hope maybe one of my colleagues uh, would be nice enough to, you know, put my mic in front or something, whatever. Like I'm, 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 I'm not going to try to get in too much close contact this year. Then again, I'm sure they probably won't let us do that anyway. I mean, I think I, you bring up a key point. I mean, 18 months off the shelf from a fitness perspective, we were already, a, as a group, probably not the most fit people. And we're sort of wedged in between. Backs are sore all the time as is. And now without wow. that normal day-to-day walking and everything, all the sedentary lifestyles from hockey reporters everywhere, I mean, it's just not going to It's not gonna be pretty. So we should just get rid of the scrums. Maybe a five-person limit at those would be the best thing for everyone but i love the move you know like when a a local tv news station comes and they always sit in the middle and crouch down and just throw the thing up (laughs) that's the best move no hockey reporter does that but local news channels they love getting right in the middle and they're like below the athlete and they're just looking up and that's uh, when you know it's a big game when someone is doing that yeah i'll I'll just say this i'm i'm convinced and i'm willing to be proven wrong the only member of hockey media in Canada who has ensured that they are in tip top shape is Chris Johnston. Cause that dude runs every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the only dude. And look, I, I don't know what you've been doing the last 18 months. I'm I, I, I'm trying to just eat a little better, try to slim down just a little bit, but I'm willing to bet no other member of hockey media has done more to improve their fitness and well being than Chris Johnston. Cause that dude literally runs every day. He ran for a marathon in the I middle mean, of the pandemic. Iron Man Sean McKenzie might have something for Chris, but they are usually, well, they were previously a team. I guess I shouldn't go into, you know, business and people moving (laughs) from station to station, but they used to be the most fit duo in hockey broadcasting. And now they're competing entities, I guess. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, the, uh, you know, fitness, my own personal fitness, like it, it works, you know, both ways, right? Like I'm doing a lot of sitting around at home, but I'm yeah. not eating three slices of pizza before every leaf game before going up to the press box. So I feel like <laughs> those things might be evening out uh, and we might have a bit of a wash through these 18 months, which might be better than most people. Yeah. Yes, for sure. In my case, it would be hot dogs. Oh yeah. I got to get to Montreal at least once to have one of those hot dogs. Yo, I already, I came through to Toronto in the summer. When you come into Montreal, let me know. We're, uh, we're the draft's here. coming back there, right? The draft July. Is, Next the, July. Uh, it was a rain check. Yes, that, that might yes. be when it has to happen. That might be Ooh. exactly when it has to happen. Okay, let's move on to Connor McDavid. Now, we've heard a little bit from him. You know, he went off about, you know, the rules. He wants them to be called. I believe he didn't get a penalty called against him in that first round series versus the Winnipeg Jets, which seems like a big issue. Uh, so I don't, you know, blame him for answering a question about getting calls uh, in important moments and just in general, but I don't really want to talk about that. And I don't really want to talk about Zach Hyman potentially being the best winger he's had other than Leon Dreisaitl. Obviously those two form the most, probably most amazing partnership in hockey right now, but Edmonton Oilers can't really afford to put them together. So Zach Hyman comes in, comes in, Mr. Utility, maybe Connor McDavid's in a far better place, but I want to be more general with this question. Okay. Keep in mind, we have the Olympics. Keep in mind, we have an improved, I think, Oilers team, at least forward group. An improved forward group 
maybe some room to maneuver. The Oilers have an opportunity in that Pacific division. So with the Olympics and that opportunity, I'm asking you, Julian, will we feel less bad for Connor McDavid by the end of this season? Less bad in terms of, you know, like the sad story of Connor McDavid entering his seventh season, one playoff victory, I believe. Mm, Like, are we going to be like, are we not feeling sorry for him? Because, hey, maybe there's Olympic gold medal around his neck. Or maybe the Oilers win the Pacific Division because Vegas isn't as good and Seattle's not going to be there yet and Calgary's not there. Vancouver's not there despite their changes. Is he going to find a measure of success is what I'm saying. I hope he does. And it's weird to feel sympathy for a guy who makes as much money as he does. But then you think about the fact that his salary in the National Hockey League is comparable to like a seventh or eighth guy in the NBA. And then you're like, oh, okay, whoops. All that to say, Connor McDavid, I think if you say that he deserves better in his NHL situation, I don't think you're far off. I don't think it's wrong to say that. I would hope for his sake that he does. I'm just curious to see if he's actually going to get that this year with the Oilers, because you're right. The forwards there looking a little better, uh, but the defense, it's a good question. Uh, and the goaltending, they decided, okay, we're going to run, run it back again with Mike Smith and Mikko Koskinen. Like it, it better work. It better, it better work. Or, or Ken Holland is going to be, who's already feeling that pressure after this off season is going to be feeling it even more. Connor McDavid can only do so much, right? He can do a lot. He got a ho- over 100 points in a little over 50 games last year. He can only do so much with the talent around him. Zach Hyman should be a good winger for him. I, they should be a playoff team. They should be a playoff team. They have the best player in the world. And yeah, you'll have a, it, it's pretty likely you'll have a gold medal unless the Americans somehow just surprise everyone and win, which I still think people are sleeping on the Americans. But I think Canada, people are sleeping on everyone else, by the way. That's very true because, you know, Russia's still good. Finland, Sweden's still good. Yeah. You know, those are pretty high. I don't know if you saw the odds, but Canada's like a huge favorite. I'm like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But like, it's still good countries playing hockey nowadays. Yes. But also like, I guess they're that way because Canada has like a whole bunch of great centers who are like looking to play wing. Like I, like people in Montreal who say like, man, Nick Suzuki has a good chance of making 2022. Ryan O'Reilly might not make Team Canada, and he's a really good center. Anyway, all that to say, Connor McDavid, um, to guess to answer your question, if he wins a gold medal and he wins a series, I might still feel bad because this is a guy who I would love to see play deep into the playoffs like every year. And considering what the Western Conference looks like, considering what the Oilers look like, I'm not sure this is the year to do it. And I can't help but imagine that if he goes through another year where he falls short of playing really meaningful hockey in the playoffs, you can't help but feel that more frustration is going to show, right? Like Connor McDavid is not – Connor McDavid doesn't strike me as one of those dudes who's just like, I'm in it to, to just make a, a whole bunch of money and just collect my checks and get on out of here. This is a guy who wants to play hockey – wants to win at hockey, wants to win at the highest level possible. Winning a first-round series wouldn't be enough for this guy. He he has to go far. But I don't know if his team will be able to do that. No, I don't think they're going to be. But I I do think this is the year we finally see him smile because I do, as much (laughs) as I think there are other contenders for the gold medal, I I do believe he's going to get a moment that we can all savor and certainly he can savor uh, in Beijing because he is going to be obviously the lead dog on Canada who or which is going to be unbelievably talented and we are going to be treated to something that we've deserved and I say we've deserved it but who really deserves it is a guy like Connor McDavid he's going to have this opportunity finally and I think he's going to make best use of it because I think he knows that the Edmonton Oilers are not at the point yet where they can be true contenders and that sad ending to the season will probably be there at the end whether it's at a meaningless at game 82 where they don't make the playoffs or if they crash out in one of the first couple rounds of the Stanley cup playoffs. But if he wins a gold medal, wins a round, maybe two bags, another heart trophy, which should be considered a probable event at this point, then I think we could probably call it Connor McDavid's best year by the end of it, but we'll see. Cause 
you know, we've made these prog prognostications before and it hasn't worked out so well for number 97, but I, th I think this is the year. I, I hope so, man. I just, I want success for this dude. I don't, I, I say it all the time. He's a really exciting player, but I don't want to go through like how many years and, and he doesn't get out of like the second round or something like that would suck for a guy of his caliber. Like, and, and the general managers he's had to deal with not to be able to put him in a position where he could go far. It's a waste of talent. I'm really looking forward to seeing him this year. I mean, I think he hit another level last year. I think playing Canadian teams helped that. I think it was, you know, the environment that was pretty conducive to that sort of performance but I think he's got that in him. I think he's going to reach that next level and he's going to do stuff that we haven't seen in a long time this year. That's at least my not so bold prediction. What I did like seeing was some original content from the new broadcasting partners there in the United States with ESPN bagging a pretty high profile interview, given the circumstances with Linda Cohn uh, interviewing Evander Kane. Um, I guess it was earlier this week and it came out on Thursday. Now, I didn't come off impressed by Evander Kane by any means. I, I guess the get is more impressive than the actual result of the interview. But this is what you want to see from ESPN for sure. Like we want to see them really got, dive into this content game, raise the profiles of these NHL players. And this is a important interview and one that had to happen because of all the things that are dogging Evander Kane right now with his legal issues, his um, his issues at home and everything that sort of followed him in this past few years. And certainly this summer, what I didn't really like though, was the past tense that he was using throughout the interview. Uh, this is a guy who basically said on multiple occasions that he had a gambling problem. And it seems like, you know, not everyone's the same uh, and not every addiction is the same but you don't just wash your hands of a gambling problem like it's nothing. So I, I, I think the tense was an issue with what Evander Kane said. said. Um, but in other ways, like, you know, I, I feel a little bit more confident after believing that he didn't bet on the NHL. He didn't bet on NHL games. He didn't throw games. He just made bad decisions by gambling the night before games and not being a great teammate and probably not being a great husband if we're just going to deduce facts. Um, but I don't think that he's done maybe the egregious, horrific things that we may have thought. And maybe that's being that's taking way too much from an edited interview. But I just feel a little bit more comfortable believing that betting on hockey was something that he didn't do. Now, what's happening at home, I probably shouldn't make any judgments on that. But in that one thing, betting on hockey and that issue... I just feel a little bit more comfortable now. Look, just from what's come out of this whole interview with Evander Kane, yeah, ESPN and Linda Cohn deserve the big up for being able to land that interview. I'm with you on the fact that it raises the profile of, of a guy like him. And, and, of course, with the right deal that they have with the National Hockey League, wouldn't surprise me if we saw more and more of those types of interviews and one-on-ones and, and, -on and, and whatever. Evander Kane, excuse my French, he used to figure his shit out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, like we've seen the reports over this past summer about how his teammates are not a fan of him. This whole gambling thing is just a big storm cloud over his head. He had to file for bankruptcy as a result of, of all the gambling that he had to do. It, this is a guy who, you know, he needs to figure his shit out. He needs to put himself in a position where he's to get on right with his teammates, whether it's in San Jose or what other, what other place he might end up in, who knows what that's going to be for his NHL future. Uh, whatever's going on at home, that needs to be settled because I just don't think that other GMs or other teams are in the National Hockey League are going to want to put up with Evander Kane anymore. Like the, uh, you, like, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you I go was ahead. just going to say your French better than my English there because – that didn't scream like a player that was like taking responsibility for what happened. I mentioned past tense, like I had a gambling problem and it was a lot of deflection all the way around. Like, Oh, I think my teammates actually like me or I'm it's, it's not really an issue the money anymore and all this stuff. Like, it's not like he was a guy who was just tackling what was head on. And as you alluded to, clearly he's got to tackle what's head on because he can't just show up and run out this contract and everything's fine. Like there's got to be some sort of atonement for 
the serious financial trouble he's put himself in, the emotional distress and trouble he's put his family in, and of course, just what happens in the locker room and with his teammates. Like, there's a lot of issues, and it didn't feel like a player that was ready to tackle those issues head on. Seriously. And this whole ordeal, this is not the first time we've heard Evander Kane and some some story like this attached to him. We, we, we've heard stories in Buffalo and in Winnipeg, and now this is happening. And I'm sorry, I, I can't help but think that there are other people around the league who see all this stuff, enough people who have played with Evander Kane, and they're just like, they don't want to deal with that, you know? So I, I can't help but feel that, like, his NHL future, like, this is kind of like a last chance for him. If he ends up playing, if the NHL uh finds that there was no cause to suspend him indefinitely or anything like that for their investigation and he's able to play then he better find a way to make it right and start turning over a new leaf and that's not something you could just do right away but Evander Kane if he's serious about it should at least start to make take those steps towards getting to that point but if he's not being sincere about this then dude, go on with your life and, and get out of the league or or do whatever you need to do. Because I'm sorry, I don't have time for a guy like that who is going to just deflect everything on to other people and not take ownership for himself. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm making this a bit more personal or anything like that. It sounds like it's kind of just coming from me, but like I just think with the whole Evander Kane ordeal, this is a guy who, you know, should be able to... I, I think of what happened during the bubble and his alignment with the Hockey Diversity Alliance which he's not with right now because of everything going on in the investigations. That should have been an opportunity for him to go through whatever period of atonement he needs to go through for past transgressions. And I'm not saying it would absolve everything that he's gone through, but it would have at least started that process. And now the fact that he's at this point, it's just infuriating just to see as a hockey fan. It's just infuriating just to see. And I think if I feel this way, then his teammates will be feeling like 10 times more like, more pissed off at this if Andrew Kane just needs to figure his shit out or he's going to find himself without a job and San Jose is just going to cut him loose because I'm sure San Jose and other markets in the National Hockey League with what has already been put out there with Evander Kane do not want to put up with this type of player anymore life shouldn't be easy for someone who's squandered millions and millions of dollars um and is bankrupt and is at the verge of potentially being kicked out of his own dressing room and he looked like a guy that just seemed like life was a little bit too easy given the position that was that he was in. So we'll see. I mean, I'm a I'm a second chance guy. I hope uh, Evander Kane um, gets things right. As you said, your French was perfect. Uh, he needs to get his shit together, and hopefully, uh, he can start doing that. And you know, realize that he's in a process here and hasn't completed anything just yet. Get um, your shit together and figure it out and work towards it. We're both second chance people. But it should be emphasized, you got to work to earn that second chance. Precisely. Okay, one last uh, segment here. Um, you know, we haven't really dove completely into what happened in the offseason. Obviously, we talked about it as it happened. And we've had some conversations about who did what and, and where. And we kind of have an idea of which teams improved, which teams got worse. Maybe which team had the best offseason is the team that literally tried to go scorched earth and be the worst team in the league. The Arizona Coyotes probably had the best offseason of any just because of what they were able to accomplish in short order. But among the teams that will be competing this year for playoff spots, um, who do you think had the best understated offseason? Who are we not talking about enough when considering what they did this summer? So it's kind of weird because I think we're talking about them because of the core that they had already. Uh, and what they did in the playoffs last year and the unfortunate matchup that they had in the first round of the playoffs, they weren't as busy as like a team like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Montreal Canadiens. But a lot of people are pegging this team as a team that will make the playoffs out of their division. And that's the Florida Panthers. I mean, mm. they, their acquisition of Sam Reinhardt, uh, I think is a good one. And I think it's something that's going to help them potentially be a top three, maybe a top four team out of that Atlantic division. Like we're looking at Tampa. We're looking at Boston, Florida, Montreal. Uh, I'm blanking on another team that will probably come out of there and, and make it. I don't know why I am Toronto, maybe, maybe Tampa, Boston. Yeah. Toronto, Tampa, Boston, Florida. 
one, uh, one of my colleagues at TSM 690, Mitch Gallo said, there's basically four playoff spots for five teams in the Atlantic. And I don't have any qualms about Florida. I might have a few things about Boston. I don't think Tampa will fall back as hard. I wonder if the mental fragility uh, with Toronto, that's that could be a big question with them. The Canadians, yep. I find a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing them a little bit, but I'm not worried about the Florida Panthers. I think they're going to be a playoff team, and I think they had a really low-key offseason where I, I think with some of the additions that they made, I, I think they're going to be in a good spot. They're going to be a playoff team, and while a lot of people are going to be high on them, I think uh, they haven't necessarily talked that much about their off-season pieces, so I think they still count here. So Florida would be my pick. Yeah, I love Florida. I think Florida is going to win that division. I, I just feel like wow. you know, it, it could be second gear for Tampa all season long. We literally just saw it. I was writing yeah. them off going into the playoffs because, I mean, you finished third in the division. You didn't show, you didn't put your best foot forward the entire year, but then you just turned it on when you had to. And now coming off a second straight Stanley Cup and another year where you're more confident in yourself, but less urgent in the moment. I just don't think that they're going to go wire to wire and win the division because they just don't need to Boston potentially still like, I think they're not as talented as Florida, at least in a regular season format. I just think Florida has a little bit of a deeper team and there's more, there's a lot of talent scattered along that roster. It could be a toss up between those, but I think I'll take Florida out of those two. And I just think Toronto is going to take a step back. They obviously won a division last year but I see them st- taking a step back. I don't think they're as good of a team. And I think Florida is going to be the one with the chip on the shoulder and has the talent to match and make best use of their opportunity in that division. So I'm with you. I like Florida a lot, but I went with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, me and you talked mm. so much last year about what they had to do from a defensive standpoint. Why haven't they added anyone to defense? They have a chance in this division and they sat on their hands and did nothing. And then I guess I heard they heard everyone's cries for them to add on their uh, blue line this summer by going out and getting both Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. I mean, that solidifies their D all of a sudden they have a pretty good defense, a solid defense score, maybe a plus defense score after having one of the worst ones in their division last year, that was what was missing. They have the makings of being a very good team from the forward standpoint. They have one of the best goaltenders in the league, potentially the one that will prevent Connor McDavid from winning a gold medal with the team USA goaltender, Connor Hellebuck, Sheesh. but they were just missing defensemen and they got two now and Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. I think it's going to, you know, make a big difference with a unit that already has Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, Dylan DeMello, Logan Stanley. Like they're, they're solid now in the back end and that's really all they needed. Could you imagine a Stanley cup final with those two teams we mentioned, like both teams with such understated off seasons powering them to the Stanley cup final and everyone sits down and watches the Florida Panthers versus the Winnipeg jets. The ratings will go through the roof. Exactly what ESPN and TNT wanted when they (laughs) spent all that money to get back into the hockey game. Uh, Florida Winnipeg would be a unmitigated disaster, but you know what? Oh, it would. I'd love it. I'd love it. It'd be fun to watch. I think Um, you got the sun blaring in your face. So let's just wrap this up with tire. Sorry. It's all good, man. It's all. It's, it's like, just starting to get dark where I'm at. Sorry. Oh, I, I thought you just opened blind or the blinds. Uh, I had this like for, started the pandemic. We were doing like COVID stories, so I was doing like news stories, and yeah. I had to go in front of windows and like I was in a small apartment sharing room. Like it was just a disaster, and yeah. the sun just started going down or behind a cloud, and I had these blinds in front of me, and I just had lines across my face <laughs> from the sun peeking through the blinds. It was the worst thing ever. And uh, I just thought you were having one of those same moments, but that's no, I I have a lamp on my desk here. And I just noticed like I was looking a little dark in uh, at least in my view. And I just thought, okay, let me see if I could just very subtly turn on the light, see how it goes. And uh, very clearly for those watching, not as subtle, but hey, those are some of the pitfalls you, you go through when you're doing these recordings at home. The perils of podcasting at home is you need to know where the sun goes down or what time the sun is going down every day. And it's going down earlier these days and soon it's going to be 5 PM and pitch dark, but that will be good for podcasting because we can just use artificial light and we're going way too deep into this because people do not care 
about how we how we set up our shots so i will let you bust out the tire pump and hand out your first of season two officially of yshp i wish my tire pump uh was going to be going towards a happier thing and i don't know if this was going to be yours as well but we are uh a couple days out from the passing of one of the more underrated comedians and canadians in fact quebec city native norm mcdonald Mm -hmm. Uh, at a near decade long battle with cancer and just all of a sudden uh, no longer in our lives. Uh, I know I, I think of some of the funniest people who I really enjoy. And while Norm Macdonald is not on the top five of my funniest comedians of all time, almost any time I've seen anything from him, uh, I came away laughing and, and, and enjoying from him. So it's a bit sad to see that uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, I would hope for his family that, uh, they are, uh, well, I express my condolences to them. And uh, yeah, a bit of a sad tire pump, but uh, to the legacy of Norm MacDonald, uh, one of the funniest exports our uh, country in Canada has to offer. So yeah, my first tire pump goes to Norm MacDonald. It's one of those things you don't think about enough, right? Like, I, I guess for obvious reasons, he sort of slipped into obscurity a little bit, like wasn't out there as much because he was dealing with serious health issues. But you sort of forget about how, funny that guy was right and you just come back and see all these clips and that's the one positive of of something like this happening is you get to relive and see what made him so great with everyone sharing their favorite clips of him and all his late night appearances and what he did on snl and, and all that stuff and just some of the most amazing jokes that you hadn't heard maybe ever or in a very long time uh so i enjoyed norm twitter uh as much as it was a sad day it was also a hilarious day being on Twitter and watching his old clips. Uh, my tire pump, less uh, less thoughtful perhaps, but I do have to give credit to the NHL for what they put in place in terms of COVID restrictions. The fact that they're hitting 98%, I already went into de- to, you know detail about it, but it's awesome. It's fantastic that we can feel pretty comfortable, you and I as two guys who may be going down there, but more importantly, Everyone who's going to be at the rink every day, the players, the training staff, the people that really have to come into contact and work through some uncertain times that Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to go to work and be safe because all but 10 to 15 players have decided to get vaccinated. The NHL is going to be working in a safe space this season, and that is something to boast about if you're Bill Daly. Hey, I'm with you on that. And, you know, if you haven't for some reason gotten vaccinated already, I implore you to do so. And if you're one of those people who has to do the quote unquote research, go to variable sources. And again, do not look at Nicki Minaj's Twitter and do not consult her and her cousin's friend. That's one of the most ridiculous things ever, bro. Like she's from, she's from Trinidad and I I'm half Trini. I'm laughing about (laughs) it with like all the relatives, bro. Like this is the most ridiculous thing. You don't want to take the vaccine so bad. You're going to come up with that stuff. So yeah, full marks to the NHL for, for getting their ish together and the players as well. I'm going to try not to swear as much on this podcast. I know no, I already you, did you enough during the advantage. I know I can, but it's just good for me. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't want to have that carry over into like CRTC stuff. You don't want to be on radio right. and you start saying shit. You want to keep, keep it buttoned, keep it buttoned because you, you know, a guy with so many audio mediums as you, find yourself on you gotta you know gotta remain consistent because you lose yourself in front of a microphone and all of a sudden you're you're swearing where you shouldn't be swearing i'm not i'm not omar shout out omar (laughs) by the way that's a guy who who says he would never do any of that radio stuff because like you know he's afraid he'd swear you should give him like a podcast or something never say never omar never say never uh now that you're perfectly lit let's wrap up the show uh it's season two of the yahoo sports hockey podcast as i mentioned you're going to be on weekly with me. There's going to be some solo podcasts from me. And Zone Time, the YouTube-only Zone Time previously, is now going to be on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast feed on any place that you'd find your podcast. So that is very exciting as we trek towards Season 2 and the 2021-22 season on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Thanks again, Julian, for coming on, for joining me for a full season. We know your slate is never clean. So I appreciate you committing to one more year with us. We're going to have a lot of fun this season and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to do more episodes with you, whether it's here, whether it's through zone time 
and uh, interact with everyone else who watches these shows. So uh, I'm with it. Let's do this. And hopefully Nicki, Nicki Minaj continues to spout off so we can have things to laugh. <laughs> or Macklemore, who knows? Some <laughs> artist somewhere. Don't get into Macklemore. I, already, I, I regret that one we, already. We've burned him enough. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> All right, see you, man. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.